Welcome back, friends, to Hope is a Prayer Away. I am your host, Pastor JJ. And before we descend on our Bible study today, I would like to remind you that all of my Bible studies are free for you to download and copy, and that all of my Bible studies come with no strings attached. There's no registration requirements. There's no email that you have to read. That you have to give me there's no requirements on that uh, there's no subscription fees there's no thumbs up and you will never have to pay a penny for any of my bible studies the lord paid the price for you and for me my only goal is to connect you with christ jesus and that is the reason why i created this podcast and also the website now if you do visit the website we do have a voluntary contact form And that's only if you would like to receive my latest Bible study before it gets posted to our website. But it's 100% voluntary. If you would like to visit our website, it is www.hopeisaprayerawaway.com That's www.hopeisaprayerawaway.com Now, let us get into the Word of God. In today's Bible study, we're going to be looking at allowing Satan to destroy you and your family. And let's begin by examining the names of Satan and what they mean in the original language. Now, the word Satan in Judaism is the word you it's it's the word Satan is used as a verb. It does not refer to a person, rather it refers to temptation or difficulty to overcome. The Old Testament uses the name Beelzebub to speak of the god of Ekron. We do not see it being used as a name for Satan until the writings of the, of the New Testament. Now, Beelzebub, the Pharisees, and Jesus... If you turn your Bibles, please, to Matthew 12, we're going to see a little bit of an exchange and and maybe uh, you'll look at it in a different way now that you're going to learn what it really meant. So in Matthew 12, the Pharisees accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, and Beelzebub was the prince of demons. So let's read the full exchange. Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and Jesus healed him. So the man spoke and saw and all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man has cast out demons. So knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. We're going to get into that latter part of that uh, exchange in a little bit. And And I'll read it to you again. Any house divided against itself will 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 stand. And no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? This is what Jesus tells the Pharisees. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, 
By whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And those verses are found in Matthew, uh, the 12th chapter, and verses 22nd through 28. Now, let us look at the name Beelzebub. What does it mean? So Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies. So now you see that the Pharisees were, were saying to Jesus, you know, you're the Lord of the Flies. And in Hebrew and Jewish literature, the name is translated to mean Lord of Dung or Lord of Filth. Images of Beelzebub portray him as a fly or a flying insect. Scholars have learned that the image of the fly as Beelzebub derives from either from either the thought that he is a son of that he is a son the sun god that brings the flies or that he is the god invoked to drive flies away from the sacrifice. We should also note that Beelzebub is the Greek uh, word from the word Baal-zebub. There are strong connections to Baal, worship in connection with the worship of Beelzebub. Now, Baal was a Canaanite fraternity god in the Old Testament, and the term Zebub means exalted dwelling. So when we put those two terms together, we have the name Prince of Demons. Now, what does Beelzebub do? In ancient religions, Beelzebub was associated with sacrifices. He was invoked to drive away the flies that always came as sacrifices were made and blood was shed. During the time of Jesus, Beelzebub becomes a prince of demons. And the name becomes a reference to Satan, a distinct insult to Jesus. Beelzebub was believed to be someone that could perform exorcisms. This, this deity had control of all of the devilish behavior in the world. It could even possess people itself. And today we lean toward the thought that Beelzebub is another name for Satan and has all of the powers of Satan. Now, where is the name Beelzebub mentioned in the Bible? Well, as previously mentioned, we can only find this name reference once in the Old Testament by King Ahaziah when he is injured from a fall. And this reference is, this reference is found in 2 Kings chapter 1, verses 1-16. through 16. There is not a description of Beelzebub given in the text, most likely because this deity was well known in the land. Beelzebub is referenced only in the Gospel of the New Testament, in the Gospels of the New Testament. And in the book of Matthew, we find the Pharisees using this term to describe Jesus. They were mocking him for the miracles that he had done, as we just read. Jesus also uses the term in chapter 10 to teach the, the disciples as he sends them out to the mission field. And again in the book of Mark, the Pharisees use the term to describe how Jesus was driving out demons. Luke chapter 11 is another instance where we see this term used. Now, why does Satan have so many names? Well, Satan is one of many names for the evil 
Christians fight every day. Other names include Prince of Darkness, Lucifer, Prince of Demons, Father of Lies, Moloch, and Antichrist. And all these names refer to the same thing, or the same being, I'm sorry. There is only one God with one name, yet Satan has so many. But why? Satan is considered the author of confusion. And having so many names solidifies that to be true. And if Satan can use a different name in any given situation, humans are more likely to become confused and commit sin. Satan is cunning and uses his various names to play tricks on us and convince us that we are not doing the devil's biting. Satan, Satan's many names also describe his identity and actions. For example, the name devil means false accuser or deceitful nature. Satan is a false accuser and, de and deceives even those who love God. He is the tempter because he often leads us into temptation. He tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Friends, if he doesn't have respect for Jesus, knowing who Jesus was, do you think that he has any respect for me or any one of us? I venture to say no. Satan is the serpent and, the, and a snake that can slither into places without us realizing it's there. It could hide itself well and make itself known in surprising ways. Satan's many names are his weapons. And he uses them against those who love the Lord and to keep those who don't know the Lord in the dark. Now, as Christians, should we be worried about Satan? Well, Christians already know that Christ has already won the war. However, even so, we should still be concerned about the cunning, deceitful, and sly behaviors of Satan. Satan can lead Christians into temptation. He can lead us to sin and cause us to stay in such in sin much longer than what we want. He can cause division among Christians that ultimately, that ultimately leads to conflict in homes, conflict in churches, and families. And we're going to be uh, we're going to be looking at all those three areas a little bit later on in our broadcast. Now, while Christians should be aware that Satan is real, we should not be consumed by fear and worry of Satan. We should always remember what Scripture tells us about the God we serve. Our God has already provided the ultimate sacrifice for us, and He has given us the Holy Spirit, which is God, to guide us, to guide our thoughts and actions. And you know, friends, when you do something right, don't you have something inside of you that says, hey, good job. Just like when we do something wrong. Don't you hear something that tells you that was not good. That was not cool. That's the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit guiding you, me, and all of us. And God has already given us the ending to the story in the book of Revelation. 
more important than worrying about Satan. We should be burdened for the people that Satan has taken hostage. Our worry should be directed towards what we as Christ's children can do to lead them and humanity to Christ. That's our, that's our job. Our job is to try to lead people uh, to Christ. Amen? Now the name Beelzebub is just one of the names for Satan. It is, this, it, it is the name of the one that delivers mayhem to the world that we live in. So that's the name that he uses. Christians should be aware of this name, but not worry about Satan's power. Satan will always be working to separate humanity from God that he created. Our focus should be on the fact that our Lord is victorious, and as his children, we are safe from Beelzebub's effort to separate us from God. What is Satan's mission? Well, Satan's mission we can find in, in a couple of verses. I'm just going to mention a couple of verses for the sake of time. But if we turn our Bibles to the book of Job, chapter 1 and verse 6 through 7, and starting at verse 6, Now one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord says to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. So we understand that Satan can roam the earth. He's Remember, he was an angel. He's a fallen angel. That he's our adversary. And that he is roaming the earth and trying to find people to destroy. To destroy them. And he's brazen enough to tell Jesus to his face. Face to face, what he's up to. Now, 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Man, I think that's pretty clear. That's what the Lord says. Amen. Now, let's get into today's uh, Bible study. And, and the title of, of, uh, of today's Bible study is Welcoming Satan into Your Home. Now, as a matter of confidentiality, I cannot use and I will not use the names of, the fa of a family that I counseled that were a God-fearing family raised in church. Uh, their father is an exceptional expositor of God's word. As a matter of fact, he led me to Christ. He ordained me as a pastor. And he is truly the impetus behind my spiritual growth and my biblical academia. I owe it to him and he led me to Christ. And he is my very special friend. But my friend is human. I'm human. We're all human. And he welcomed Satan into his home by having an affair with a young lady that played the piano at his church. My friend's wife found out because the piano player one day mistakenly 
left a voicemail on their home phone instead of leaving the message on his private, on his cell phone. And my friend denied the affair on multiple occasions and even told his wife that she was going crazy and that he and the piano player were just good friends. Well, you can imagine that the church rumors were at an all-time high. His personal life was suffering. His kids were suffering. And he was suffering. So eventually, my friend and his wife and their three kids separated and divorced. Now, remember that we just read that sometimes Satan holds you in, in a course of sin for a little bit longer than what you want? Let me give you an example. So my friend went on and, and, uh, and separated and divorced his first wife. And then he had an affair with, an, with one of his students from a Bible study class. And they would later marry and they consummated two girls. Now, their marriage was full of domestic violence because my friend started seeing the piano player again and his new wife found out and the marriage became very physical. My friend lost a portion of his front tooth as a result of his new spouse punching him in the mouth and there were numerous other physical assaults on his person until that marriage ended. My friend's second wife showed up on numerous occasions at the seminary where my friend was a dean. And she caused a scene due to the pain that she was suffering, due to his betrayal of their marriage, due to the betrayal of him leaving her with his two daughters by herself. And she was hurting. Look at all the little things that have happened to him. Now, my friend went and married the piano player, and they had three daughters, and they have one son who is autistic, and I love that boy. God bless him. God bless all the children and all the people that are autistic. All of you are so special, so kind, loving. Now, my friend and the piano player have been married for numerous years and during this time my friend has seen the daughters that he had with wife number two sparingly and they are now young adults and getting back to his original family his ex-wife who was our worship leader in church is no longer serving the Lord and from what my wife uh, tells me I believe that she blames God for my friend's infidelity and friends, we are to blame. God is not at fault for our infidelities. He's not at fault for the, all the infidelities that I've committed and all the infidelities that anyone, anybody else has committed. No, we need to stand up and say, hey, I'm responsible. God gives you a choice. You can either do it or not. So I believe in that point she's wrong. She's holding God responsible because she was praying for her marriage 
and my friend decided to do other things. Well, we all have free will. That's why sometimes people commit different crimes. It's because we all are living under God's grace. We're not living under the law. So, my friend, getting back to the original family, his ex-wife was our worship leader. And she is no longer serving the Lord. And like I said, she blames my friend's infidelity. And she is now serving Satan along with her oldest daughter. My friend's oldest daughter, who was an up-and-coming, rising biblical teacher, is no longer serving the Lord. And she has gone on to serve Satan. And she has shows. And she's all over the world promoting... Uh, saints ministry my friend's middle daughter who was also a bible teacher to small kids is no longer serving the lord and she has gone also on to serve satan my friend's oldest son has become one of the world's most sought after drag queens and he travels the world serving satan and I ask you, friends, are you thinking about having an affair? I just want you to I just want you to remember that these could be the repercussions when you welcome Satan into your home. I pray often for my friend's first wife and kids as we were very close friends. And they were there for my ordination as a pastor and my graduation from Bible college and seminary. We had really many good times. And I pray that the Lord would forgive their apostasy and that all of my friends' children that are now serving Satan will come back into fellowship with our Lord. I know that they're hurt. I know that they're hurt. I know that they're hurting. But uh, Jesus can heal all things, friends. Friends, when you go to church, keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at the pastors. Remember that they're human beings. All of us are sinners. All of us, starting with me. We all fall short of the glory of God every day and I too am guilty of having affairs and I've asked my wife for forgiveness I've asked the Lord for forgiveness and you know it's funny because when we're caught in sin it's like a pressure on you that's how I, that's how I felt but you know, as soon as you come up and you ask the Lord for forgiveness, it's like that weight is lifted off of your shoulders. Amen. And if you are the family of a pastor and you are going through a tough times, please know that you can reach out to me. You can stay anonymous. I don't need to know your name. And let us pray and see if collectively we can reach an accord in your marriage, 
and help you get through this rough patch in your marriage. And if you're a pastor, I understand. I know that it's very few people that were able to talk to and that would understand. I know that you have the responsibilities of running a church. But um, if you're in need and if you would like to speak to someone about some difficulty that you may be going through, please reach out to me. You can remain anonymous. And let's see if we can pray and talk about your issues. And you know what? The toughest part is just going to the Lord, asking for forgiveness. And friends, if you are a pastor, don't lie. Tell your congregation the truth. Just like I did on this podcast. Come out. Don't let Satan hold that over your head. No. I'm a sinner. I love Jesus with my entire heart, I'm sure, just like you do. But we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. And let us remember that Jesus says when they brought her the the woman who was caught in adultery. He who is without sin cast the first stone. Nobody did cast a stone, did they? Let me take you back to 1 Peter 5.8. And let, please let me remind you, all of us, and I start with myself, be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he devoured my, my friend, my pastor, and destroyed his family to this day. Don't let it happen to you. Talk it out. Talk it out with your spouse. See what's going on. What's if there's difficulties? Go to counseling. Go to counseling. You don't have to tell them that you're a pastor if you fear that it's going to get out. But eventually you do want to let it get out. Make peace with the Lord. Stand for the truth like Jesus did. Jesus always stands for the truth. And I would like to pray for any pastors, any families that are going through the hardship of an affair, I want to pray for your children. I want to pray for you. And I encourage anyone, wherever you are, whatever job you have, seek help. You're going to see that that weight is just going to come off of your shoulders. And if you're listening to my broadcast, and if you would like counseling, I guarantee you 100% that I will never divulge your name. I don't need your name. You can email me. Even if it's just a prayer request, I guarantee that I will pray for you and I will only email you back and let you know that I'm praying for you. 
And if you need any other help, if I can help you, know that I'm going to help you for free. I just want to get you back on track with, with Christ. And if you're listening to this podcast today and you've never accepted Christ, today's your day, my friend. Jesus loves you. He wants to forgive you of all of your sins. Let us own up to what we've done. And let us come before his presence and ask him into our lives. You are going to feel so much better. Let me first pray, please, for the pastors and their families. And then I will pray for everybody else. If you're a pastor or a pastor's family, and if you would like to follow me in this prayer, Heavenly Father, we come before you. We repent of our sins. Father, help us heal. Help us heal our family. Help us heal your church. That when they find out what we did or what I did, they're going to be hurt. I pray the Holy Spirit to be upon the church. But Father, let there be no lies in us. For I know that you hate lies. And I pray, my Lord, for any family, any pastors out there. Friends, let's turn a corner. Get it off your chest. Go to the Lord in prayer. And you know that he's going to forgive you. I pray for you, your church, your family. In Jesus' mighty name. And my friends, if... You're listening to this podcast. And if you've never accepted Christ, I want you to know that He loves you. He died for you willingly. Jesus wasn't taken to the cross because He didn't want to go. No, 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 no. He gave His life for you and for me willingly. And if you've never accepted Christ in your life I want you to know that today he extends his arm out to you and he's reaching for you to grab his hand but it's only if you want to friends and think about how many times you've reached out of your hand You've waved at a neighbor and they don't look back and they don't respond. And if you're going to be honest, how did that make you feel? It's the same thing with Christ. How many years has has he been reaching out to you? And for one reason or another, you've put it off. But that's okay. God doesn't hold grudges. So if you would like to accept him today, allow me to lead you in this prayer. Lord Jesus, I come before you 
I ask you for forgiveness of all of my sins. This day I make you my Lord and my Savior. Please, Lord, come into my life. Make me new. Please walk with me, Father. Please guide me. I want to spend eternity in heaven with you, Heavenly Father. I accept the sacrifice that you made willingly for me on Calvary. Thank you, Father. Thank you for everything you've done for me. And from this day forward, let us walk together, my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, my friends. And if you said that prayer, I do believe you are born again. I encourage you, please find a good Bible teaching church and preaching church and grow in God. Do great things for the Lord. Read your Bibles and, and study up on the word and, and be a friend to anyone who doesn't know Jesus. I close out today like I close with every podcast. For those of you that hear me, you guys already know. And it's a tribute to the late Pastor John H. Osteen. And he would close out all of his TV shows by saying, keep Jesus first place in your life and he will take you places that you've never dreamed of. Amen. Friends, thank you for your time and the privilege of being able to share Christ with you. And I will look forward to talking with you tomorrow on our podcast, which is broadcasted at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you.